You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning. Great to see each and every person here this morning. Excited to see what God's going to do. We're in a series entitled Prayer. And we kicked this series off two weeks ago. And we've been looking at this topic of prayer. And it's one of those subjects where if you're a child of God, you've probably grown up hearing about prayer. Even those that may not follow God with your whole heart, you're like, I've heard about prayer. Prayer is kind of everywhere. You'll see it sometimes. Maybe you're watching something on the news and there's a great tragedy. And somebody will say, we need to pray. Even if they don't go to church, don't know God. And it's interesting how many times Christians have a hard time praying, though. I mean, you would think it would come natural. I mean, if you are here with your significant other, I hope it's easy for you to talk to your significant other. If not, maybe that's a whole nother issue on its own, but it should come natural and easy for you to talk to your significant other. The same should be true with our relationship to God. It should be easy for us to talk to God. But I talk to so many Christians who are like, man, after five minutes, I, I just don't know what else to pray about. I, I don't know what else to talk to God about. And so we're looking over the last several weeks, we've been looking at Matthew chapter number six, and we've been studying the model prayer. And this is impactful because this opens up the Christian life. And we kicked off week number one talking about how to pray for an hour a day. And I know that was daunting, wasn't it? How to pray for an hour every day. How do we even do that? And we specifically dove into praying the names of God. And it's amazing as we reflect and we meditate on the names of God, how that influences our entire prayer life. That just pondering those as we think about who God is. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He is Jehovah Shema. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. He is Jehovah Nisai. And we started thinking about those names. And those are just a few of the names of God. And what those names mean. And we said that God's names reveal his nature. And it's in God's nature to meet our needs. That's what prayer is all about. Asking and receiving. And so we started with how do we learn to pray for an hour. And we talked about how Praise is what puts us in a position to petition God. Because we want to get to that point where we're able to have that direct access to God. I love that this morning we just sang songs of gratitude to our God. We're coming into a week of Thanksgiving. Many of us will gather with friends or family and we'll sit there and hopefully before we partake of a wonderful, delicious meal, that we just stop and give God thanks for what he's done. And we just take a moment. And this morning, we've done that. We've sang praises to God. So our hearts are ready to hear from God. And then last week, we talked about prayer priorities. That prayer in and of itself isn't just the priority. It's not just that, oh, okay, I, I need to pray. It's knowing how to pray. And we're looking at the model prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's the priority. 
that the priority, it starts with God first. That's where it starts. Oftentimes when I pray, it's kind of like, all right, help me with my daughter, Megan. Okay, help me with my son, Austin, you know? Help me with my wife. No, I, I'd never need help. She's perfect, always easy, always great, you know? I'm married way up. But oftentimes we step back and it's like, oh, I want a promotion. I want a raise. I want that job or I want to marry that person. And we get straight into just asking God. But really, our prayers don't get answered because we're not praying in alignment with what is God's will? And how do we get in alignment with his will? Because when you're in alignment with God's will, like we said last week, guess what? It's an easy yes. I gave the illustration last week. I have a nine-year-old son, and his name is Austin. And imagine if Austin were to come to me and say, Dad, is it okay if I mow the lawn? Am I going to say no? I'm going to say yes. Hey, Dad, you know, uh, the backyard, it's kind of messy. Our dog went to the bathroom everywhere. And can I clean that up? Yes, you can do that. I'm not going to say no. When I know what God's will is, I know how to better pray. So we start with, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You see, God wants to bring his will, his kingdom to this earth. And you know where it starts? In my heart. That's where it starts. I think too often I can make of the excuse that, oh, okay, God, I want you to fix this world, fix our country, fix this person, and fix that situation, and fix that. Instead of first saying, God, right here, build your kingdom here. Fix my heart. Fix the way I see that person. Fix the way I'm looking at this situation. God, I want your kingdom to start in my heart. And allow God's work to start working inside of us. And then we said we start in a neutral heart posture of possibility. Because too often we approach prayer with our wills, our agenda, right? And we said, what if it was like driving that old automatic? We just put it in neutral. Because that's the way you got to start the car, right? Put it in neutral. And what if our heart just started in neutral? What if prayer was like, hey Lord, I'm going to start in neutral this morning and I want you to guide me. I want you to direct me because I want to pray your prayers. I want to be praying your will because God's will gets answered. God's will gets done. God has a will and he wants you to use you to accomplish his will. Well, this morning, we're going to go to verse number 12 of our passage. But before we get there, I'm going to ask you a question. Please raise your hand if you've ever been in debt. And my hand is up. Mm, maybe I should put both hands up. I'm holding the mic. I can't get them both up. It's no fun to be in debt, is it? Oh, man. Some of you that have kids, you're in a lot of debt, aren't you? If you, if you got kids in college, it's even worse. It's just like, oh man, this is going to be difficult. If you've got teenagers, oh man, your grocery bill, your gas bill, your energy bill. My kids, I don't know why they do this. They open up the refrigerator and they just stand there. And I'm like, why you got to stand there? How about you decide what you want to eat, then open up the refrigerator? Why you just got to leave that door open and all that, that, that cool air? I, I pay to heat this house. You're cooling it back down. And you just stand there and then uh, you just close it. And then literally, then they go to the next one. They open up that one. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know, I'm just like, man, I, I, I just, I, you just watch as they make these crazy decisions. I'm like, that's what I'm paying for. You see, when we're in debt, it means that we owe more than we own. And that's no fun. It's no fun for a person in this room. If you're under the weight of debt, that's, that's difficult. That's stressful. Where you're like, man, I have more month than I have money. How am I going to make it? Right now, you see inflation just to buy uh, food for a Thanksgiving meal. Many of us are trying to think through how we're going to do that. And we're looking at this huge expense. And we're stepping back. We're just saying, how do, how do I make it? I've got this 
debt. Have you ever just wanted to be done with debt? I mean, wouldn't it be nice just to be like, debt, I'm, I'm done with you. I want to cancel debt. You know, out of all the things people are canceling right now, how about we just cancel our debt? You know, wouldn't that be nice that Charles Schwab and Chase Bank and Wells Fargo and all those guys at yeah, U.S. Bank and all those guys are just like, hey, you know, with all the cancel, let's, let's cancel some debt around here. You're like, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. If Honda and Toyota and Mercedes and all Chevy, and if they just said, hey, we're going to cancel the debt you're on the car, you're like, Jehovah Jireh, God is good. That prayer thing works, man. That is some good stuff. I'm done with debt. Well, by the time you and I leave this service this morning, I want you and I to be done with debt. Now, I know that sounds too good to be true. You came in with some debt. I don't want you to leave with that debt. There is a weight that debt puts on us that when you leave this room, that should be left right here. You say, how is that even possible? Through the word of God. Can we look at Matthew 6? I'm going to put on the screen. And what I'd like to do is I would like to read these verses together out loud. Can we do that? We'll begin in verse number 9. It'll be on the screen, but let's read Matthew 6. This is the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Let's read it together, shall we? Ready? Begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much that we can just come into your presence. You're a great God. You're a good God. You're a holy God. We lift you up. We hallow your name. We praise you in this place. Father, we just ask that your will would be done in this room. Would your Holy Spirit descend in this place? Would you comfort and convict? God, would you heal? Would you bind? Would you help us with our debt this morning? Because we want to be done with debt. In Jesus' name, amen. It's amazing to me that Jesus illustrates debt. In this passage, especially in the verse that we're going to look at, in verse number 12, he said, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That Jesus uses the weight that debt can have on our life to illustrate the weight that a wrongdoing can have on us. It's amazing that Jesus knows that the weight you and I feel over a college payment or the weight we feel over a mortgage payment or the weight we feel over any type of debt is similar to the weight you and I feel when someone has wronged us, when an injustice has been done to us, when somebody has hurt us or hurt someone we love. The weight, the burden is the same as if we're in debt. Jesus likens the two. In this passage, the Greek word for debt means morally a fault. So Jesus is talking about a moral fault. What is a moral fault? Moral would be something that breaks a moral law. There's, there's these things that we understand as to be right and to be wrong. And in this passage, he says to move on in the model prayer. We're first asking God, God, would you forgive me my debt? You and I, we start there. What's the debt that you and I owe? That we owe God? Because in our culture today, it seems that we're always looking at others that owe us. 
This week I was preparing the message and I began to type up on this subject of forgiveness and I was typing in my notes on my Mac laptop, I typed in the word unforgiveness. And then something happened in my pages application. You say, what happened? When I typed in unforgiveness, there was this little red squiggly line under the word unforgiveness. I thought, that's odd. I know I was homeschooled, and so my education is not that, very, that great, but I do know I spelled that word correctly. So what do you do? You kind of run the cursor over the word unforgiveness, and then you kind of hit control, and then you look up the word, and then right click, right? And then it pops up, and usually pages, or if you are a non-Christian who uses uh, non-Apple products and you use Word, then for you, you'd right-click and you could do, you could kind of check with the spelling of the word. But in pages, I pulled it up, and pages did not have a proper spelling for the word unforgiveness. I was saying, that's crazy. How does pages not know that unforgiveness is a real word? And then, as I scrolled down, it gave me an option. You know what the option was in pages? It said, learn word or learn spelling. And I thought, okay, Apple is a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, they built their little spaceship that one day we're just going to see it descend over the Silicon Valley. And we'll be like, that is Apple. Oh, yeah. You know, that's just going to take off, right? They're just going to go to another planet. Elon Musk is building rockets. And they're like, Apple's like, we already built it, man. Anyway, this is a flying saucer. And it's Apple, you know, and they're, they're amazing. So how does this amazing company not get the word unforgiveness? And I thought, if Apple doesn't get it, how many Christians don't get it? I think it's time that we learn about unforgiveness. If our Apple laptop has to learn it, then I think it's important that we learn it. Because many of us are carrying debt that God doesn't want you to carry. And for many of us, our debt is constantly accruing plus interest. And it's compounding. And the weight you feel because of something an aunt or an uncle did to you, something an absent father or something that an uh, 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 ex spouse or somebody, an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, an ex-boss or ex-coworker. We have these people that have wronged us and you've got that debt. And just like financial debt, you are dying under the weight of it. And you put on the smile, you come to church and oh, praise the Lord and God bless you and everything's great. But underneath, you know that you are dying under the weight, that there is this mounting debt. And Jesus knows that you and I are going to struggle with the wrongs, the moral wrongs people will do to us, and the moral wrongs that we will do to others. I mean, there's things we just do unintentionally. We unintentionally hurt people. We unintentionally do things, say things. There's just things we don't mean to do. There's things that you just look back in your life, and you just kind of cringe that you did that. You're just kind kind of like, what was I thinking? I can't believe I said that. You know, I mean, you ever gone shopping with your wife? That's a horrible idea. Like, that's just going to go bad. Like, I would rather just buy four or five outfits and just be like, pick one and they all look great, you know, instead of like, hey, go with me and I'll try them on. How does this make me look? Great. You're lying. I know. <laughs> it's better to lie than to die. All right. I will lie, but I don't want to die. All right. So it looks beautiful on you. You know, or there's all the other things that we just get into trouble. We don't mean to cause an offense. We didn't mean to cut the guy off in traffic. And now they're going to tailgate us, honking the horn and tell us we're number one with the middle finger. I mean, there's just things that just happen that you and I didn't intend to do it. We didn't intend to 
make that coworker that upset? We didn't know the marriage was bad and the things were going on at the house. So there are wrongs that people do to us and there are wrongs we do to people because people do people things. And we're broken. We're fallen people. And we're trying. And we're, we're, we're coming to church because we want to we know what God's word says. And this is what's so powerful about the model prayer because he addresses this. And so to be done with debt means we need to deal with debt. Because some of us treat the moral wrongs that we do just like the debt collector. Ignore it. There's a whole stack of letters that you get every day. And it's late notice, late notice, late notice, failure to contact, you know. And all of a sudden now your late notices are piling up. I once rented a book or I checked out a book from a library in Boron, California. How many know there's even a town called Boron, California? Okay, a few more of you than I realized, okay. It's a town that was an old borax mining town on the way to Vegas, which no Christian goes to Vegas, right? And uh, so it's on the way. You pass it. They have a great Mexican restaurant, super good, called Domingo's. Stop in. He's also the mayor of the little town there. He'll visit your table. Super good food. But anyway, they had a library and I checked out a book. I checked out the book and I forgot about the book. That was way back in 2004. I checked out the book. Jane and I get married in 2009. 2010, the marriage is great. 2011, the marriage is great. 2012, she's like, hey, you've been sent to debt collections. I said, debt collections? Who, how am I in debt collections? And she said, the Boron Library has sent you to debt collections. You checked out a book and you didn't pay the $400 fine. I was thinking, look out. Don't mess with that little librarian in Boron. She will hunt you down. She doesn't care if you change the name, move locations. She's coming after you, man. I'm telling you what. This is amazing. I was almost impressed. I was in debt, but I was impressed that she found me. Why, there was a wrong that I had committed. I owed a debt, and I didn't know that I was ignoring it. And some of us were doing that. Now, maybe it's not a financial debt like we're saying. Maybe it is that debt. So guess what? The holidays are coming up. And you're like, no, nah, let's not go to that person's house. No, I don't want to be around them. And you're telling everybody it's too far to drive. It's too expensive for gas. But really, you know why you're avoiding them. It has nothing to do with the drive. It has nothing to do with the distance. It has everything to do with what they said or what they posted about you or what you heard that they did, and you're avoiding them. You're not dealing with the debt, and you don't really want to be done with the debt. You can't say, I want to be done with debt and not deal with it. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just tired of debt. I want to be done with it. Then you and I need to address it this morning. We need to say, Lord, what are the debts in my life that I need to address, that I'm running from, I'm hiding from? And this morning, you and I, we've got to stop ignoring the letters, ignoring the emails, and say, you know what? I'm going to make it right with that boss, that coworker. I'm going to find that person. I think too often we let the hurts build up so much that we just figure it's fine. They've probably forgotten it by now. Can I tell you what? Uh, if our spouses, our wives, remember that comment we said in 1904 <laughs> about their hair, people remember when we hurt them. They remember that past, that look. And it's up to the church people, God's people, to say, you know what? I don't want to have anybody upset. So this message, another title for this message could simply be not done with debt, but how to get along with everybody all the time. Because when a Christian is constantly focused on the fact that I don't want to 
and unintentionally harm anybody, then we're quick to say, hey, I didn't mean to be insulted. I didn't mean to be so rude. I, I, I apologize. I hope you didn't take any offense by that. And what if Christians did that? Instead, sometimes we're like, well, they just need to be more spiritually mature. You ever thought about that? You ever just said that? Well, they just need to grow up and not be so, uh, my dad used to say that, wear, wear your feelings on your sleeves. I don't know if you had that. I don't even know what that comment means. I have no idea. People just say things. My wife says, white people just say things. You know, she's like, that's a white person thing. You know, like, <laughs> like, 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 you know, you go in the break room, there's a bunch of desserts. Oh, just get that away from me. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what we say, you know? Or she's like, oh yeah, when you see somebody, you won't say hi, you'll do this. And she's like, that's a white person thing. I was like, I don't even know I did it. I don't even know. I just see him and the eyebrows go up, you know? It's like, I don't know. But it's amazing that we just, we do these things. But what happens is they build a fence in our heart, and it's the fence of offense. And that fence keeps us from getting restoration with that brother or sister. The Bible says this, how good and how wonderful it is for brethren, God's people, to dwell together in unity. God said there's something special about it. That you can go to a place where all of us Look different, act different, dress different, vote different, think different. And yet we come to this place and guess what? We're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. And that's what God wants for his people. He wants there to be unity because that's when we can have real impact. And the world should step back and with all the fracturing, all the dysfunction we're seeing, they should be able to step into the church. And in the church, there is unity where we say, you know, we still love people. We still care about people. We will gather around people. But yet these fences of offense stop us from moving forward. There's a great quote. I used it a few months ago. Offense is the currency of the culture. But forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom. You see, our culture is all about taking offense and canceling one another. But as Christians, we step back and say, no, I want to be forgiving to one another. Secondly, please write this down. We said, first of all, to be done with debt means we need to deal with debt. But then to do that, I need to understand that I owe God more than anyone could ever owe me. That's the biggest realization we need to come to. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming in John 1.29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He didn't say the sins of Israel, the sins of Rome. He said the sins of the world. You see, you and I, we need to step back and say there is a debt that there is no way I could pay it. I owed a debt that there was no way I could ever get that absolved. There's no chapter 11 big enough to deal with that debt. There's nothing I could do. And Jesus says, I know you can't deal with that debt, so I will deal with it for you. Why did Jesus go to the cross to deal with our debt? It's a statement. Maybe you've heard it. I owed a debt I could not pay. And Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. That's what he did for you and I. You see, too often we compare why somebody did something. We say, oh, I know why they're mad at me is because I didn't remember their birthday or the anniversary. And that's, that's why they're mad at me. And sometimes we compare or we compare that our offense is justified. Right now, our country is in a turmoil because it is saying that this justice was not justice. 
And we can have all kinds of opinions. And I'm not here to raise an argument. I'm just saying there are people that feel like justice has and has not been served this past week. And they are comparing what one person did as lighter and less extreme than the other person. There's this comparison going on. And this is not to start an argument or a debate, but there's a lot of comparison. People, they've got smart lawyers that are trying to figure out and compare. I have two boys that also do this. Yesterday, Kane, my four-year-old, throat chopped Austin in the car, straight to the jugular, just, <laughs> Austin was crying. And he was a, he, he's a good actor. LeBron James would be proud. Because he just made a big deal out of it. It's like, oh, man, did you see what Kane? I was like, he's four, man. And then Kane's already crying because he knows he's in trouble. You're, I don't care what Austin has done. You don't just, wow, throat chop. We don't know. We don't do that. I mean, that's pretty impressive. A four-year-old just knows. Just like, wow, you know. Man. But then Kane said, well, Austin was bothering me. And Austin said, well, Cain was doing this. They're comparing why they can justify. And Christians do the same thing. Well, what my ex-spouse did, what my boss did, what my kids, and what this person and that church member and this person, mark it down. We only can compare to the cross. That's where we get to compare. If you're going to make any comparison, you say, hey, I got to compare it with the cross of Jesus Christ because all my sins were nailed to that cross. And Jesus Christ said on that cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And what were they doing? They were taking his garments and shredding it. They were mocking him. They were taking a, 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 a spear and then they put a, a sponge on it and then they held up the vinegar to his teeth and if you really study what the vinegar was used the sponge was a standard issue toilet paper in the Roman military and vinegar is an antiseptic to clean it they were mocking Jesus don't let anybody think that oh this is something that just kind of uh, lessen the pain no no this is the ultimate humiliation that's what they were doing and that's what our Jesus did on the cross for us so don't go comparing oh well my boss did this and my spouse did this no you look to the cross and say it's covered under the blood Jesus paid for it all it is paid so I owed a debt and Jesus said I will cover it Jesus picked up the tab that you and I could never pay it's always nice when somebody picks up the tab some of you are excited to be around grandma and grandpa and parents because you know they're picking up the tab and I'm bringing all kinds of friends because I know they're picking up the tab Jesus picked up the ultimate tab As a matter of fact, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. What the scripture is telling us there, he's saying basically you, even you at your best, is just filthy rags to God. At your best. I would dare say some of us, this is our best. We're at church, we look nice, cleaned up, hearts happy or maybe your best is when you're serving maybe this week you're going to serve some people you're going to do some nice things deliver some turkeys show up and help some people financially and God says you at your best do you know what that really looks like but yet sometimes we kind of use that to compare and Jesus Christ says no that's not a fair comparison we compare to the cross number three because sin is a universal problem forgiveness is a universal need you see dealing with debt doesn't mean that they deserved it or I deserved it. And sometimes we feel like, well, if they deserve it, it's okay. No. You see, sin needs to be confessed. 
This is what's so important about this passage because he starts with the debt you and I have. You see, we can't move on in the Lord's prayer without addressing the sins in our heart. You want to have a vibrant prayer life? You want your prayer life to go to the next level? It starts when you and I start confessing our sins. You know what the word confess literally means to actually to speak the same thing? It means to agree with God against yourself. It means you're in the court of law and the prosecuting attorney says, Micaiah has sinned, he did X, Y, Z. You stand up, you walk over and say, yes, judge, I did do that and that and I am wrong for it. That's what we're doing before God. And then Jesus steps in and Jesus intercedes on our behalf. And Jesus says, yes, Micaiah sinned, but I covered it on the cross and it's covered. The penalty is paid. And then we stand righteous before God. You see, sin is a universal problem. And that's why forgiveness is a universal need. But so many of us were withholding the forgiveness that other people need. And we're watching the debt build. And some of us were all up in arms about the national debt. But there's a greater debt that you and I are accruing because of unforgiveness and unresentment. And so sin needs to be confessed. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Any parents in this room, you know what it's like when your child is sick and they just make a mess of themselves and they're crying. You know, it's middle of the night and their bed's messy and they just feel terrible about it. And you just as a loving parent, you just go in there and yeah, it's gross. It's messy. They're crying. And you say, it's okay. Mommy will clean it up. Daddy will clean it up. And then we just go in there and clean it up. I know we're all human, so this week we all did some things we're probably not very proud of. We all probably thought some things, said some things, and went some places. But the promise here is that Jesus says, I can cleanse you. I can forgive you. And that's the promise we have. And when we confess it, the next step is to forsake it. Because it's forgiven, but now there needs to be some forsaking. But too often we reenact the proverb. As a dog returns to its vomit, so we return to our folly, our foolishness. Too often that's what we do. Instead of confessing, receiving forgiveness, and then forsaking the sin, we go back to it. You see, in the child of God, we need to come to the point where we say, I'm going I'm to forsake that sin. There's some things that I don't need to go. I don't need to do that. I don't need to be around it. I want to walk in freedom in Christ. And so I'm going to stay away from that. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon so this is huge why we need to receive forgiveness and offer forgiveness. It's because unforgiveness will always result in unanswered prayer. Unforgiveness will always result in unanswered prayer. We're learning about prayer. And some of us, we struggle with prayer. And the reason you and I struggle with prayer is because of unforgiveness. And we wonder why our prayers are not being answered. Well, if we're hanging on to this resentment, this bitterness, this anger... And they may have done something that it was terrible what they did. Nobody is minimizing the offense. That's not what we're saying. I'm not minimizing the wrong that you have suffered. Some of you have suffered grave injustice. Some of you have endured amazing things that your testimony would break all of our hearts. 
And yet here, God is instructing, encouraging us that we need to have this forgiveness so that our prayers can be answered. Matthew 5, the previous chapter, it says this in verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. God is saying this is so important even when you come to a religious gathering, a church gathering, and you have a fault, you have an offense against somebody, you haven't dealt with it. Stop worshiping, stop reading the Bible, stop listening to a sermon and say, I need to get this right. God said first, isn't that amazing? That God said, hey, you want a right relationship with me? And just as important as this relationship is important, God puts an equal value on the horizontal relationship with everybody else. Did you come to church upset at your children or your spouse? God says, fix that. Don't try to sing how great is our God and worshiping our God and gratitude our God and then we just walk out and then everybody else looks at it like, man, my mom's a hypocrite. My dad's a hypocrite. They, they don't believe that. They sing it, but they act totally different. You know why there's the great exodus in the church, why people are done with Christianity? is because we've learned how to play the game and we don't actually live it. Because we, we, we don't understand how good, how wonderful it is to not have this debt to not live with this burden that just weighs us down, that we can be done with debt, that we can release that. We don't have to carry that around. So unforgiveness will always result in unanswered prayer. Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So it's so important. Growing up, my mom would often quote Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. I'm like, mom. Do all that I can to live at peace with everybody. Are you kidding me? Do you know how messed up this world is? She said, the Bible just said, do all that you can. As much as you can. There comes a point where you just say, oh, I can't, but at least you tried. But we now live in a culture that no longer kills people with kindness. We just kill people. That's just where we're at. We don't know how to have proper dialogue with people that we disagree with. It's we just cancel them, end them, don't let them speak, shove them in a back corner somewhere, get rid of them. They don't deserve to have a voice. How terrible and dehumanizing. And the church can stop it. We can change it if we start it with each other in our marriages and with our children. We can be the difference. I just finished reading an autobiography by Will Smith. Just came out. And I was just, I like to read, and so I like reading autobiographies, so I read his book, and I didn't really follow Will Smith all that much, except for when he made Independence Day. Any Independence Day fans? I liked that movie. I thought it was great. Then he came out with Hitch, which was a fun movie, really good, but it wasn't as good as I Am Legend. I Am Legend was awesome, all right? That was a great movie. New York basically gets taken over by these zombie-looking things. And the reason that movie was so great is because I watched it when I was dating Jane. And whenever anything would scare her, oh yeah, that's right, I was right there. I'm your rock, baby. I got you. Get in close in here. Many of you actually know how that really played out. It was really me like, ah, freaking out, grabbing onto Jane. I am a scaredy cat. But I was watching or, you know, loved watching the movie, so I read the book. I was just curious about somebody's life story. And I just wanted to break up my reading, so I, I read the book. It was interesting. And then he started talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Any Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fans in the house? Oh, there we go. Okay, all right. We know who the old people in the room are. All right. There we, just kidding. 
Oh, oh. Do you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I forgive you. All right. That was mean. That was a cheap shot. Well, I did not know that halfway through the six seasons, they replaced a character, a main character named Aunt Viv. How many like the OG Aunt Viv in the house? Let me see your hands. Okay, the OG Aunt Viv. How many know you like the newer Aunt Viv? Oh, there we go. We got purists in the room. Oh, you scratched your eye. I thought you were voting for it. Okay, all right. Just scratching your eye. I didn't know that there was a rift in the show that halfway through, the main character, one of the main characters, was replaced, and it caused a huge rift where they would publicly blast each other. There was a feud between Will Smith, and then I have the other actress name who played Aunt Viv. They had a 20, Janet Hubert, they had a 27-year feud for 27 years. The feud was so hostile, it cost Janet Hubert her career. She said, it ruined me. That feud destroyed my career, everything. And I was watching a documentary. They did the 30th anniversary of this whole thing with Will Smith and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And as I was watching it, Will Smith did something that I thought, man, more Christians need to do that. He said, you know, we played a tight-knit family on the show, and on the show, you know, we address a lot of family problems. And like all families, we kind of had a skeleton in the closet. And he said, and there was the newer Aunt Viv, and he said, you know, there was the OG Aunt Viv. And he said, you know, we never talk about it. And so he said, I need to talk about it. And he brought up the fact that he made it right with her because it was his fault that she was kicked off the show. And a 27-year feud ended, but it took 27 years. How much hurt? How much damage to each other's careers? And they look back on it now, and they were like, they literally said, you can watch the interview. They were like, what were we fighting about? They couldn't remember. And isn't that how life really works? You don't even remember why you're fighting. I've had arguments or excuse me, passionate discussions with Jane, and I'll be in the middle of this passionate discussion, and I'm like, why are we fighting again? Like, I've already forgotten. I've already. And it's like, why are we powering up? Why are we challenging? Why do we feel so committed to this? And it's because we have this unforgiveness which leads to unanswered prayer. And why that is so dangerous is because the very next verse that we're going to study in the Lord's Prayer is all about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we're going to talk about how to overcome the enemies, how to win, because too many Christians talk about fighting the good fight, but you and I will never have the power and the strength to fight the good fight if we have unforgiveness in our heart. So we need to deal with this if we can have true victory in the Christian life. You see, I've been challenging you guys how to pray, and I feel like, man, once you actually finish this series, then you're going to know how to pray because you'll know how important unforgiveness is. You see, we are to give what God has given us. In verse 14 of the same passage, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive me, forgive men their trespasses, neither, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You see, God has called us to forgive others. You say, but I don't feel like it. Let's stop looking at forgiveness as an emotion that we have to feel and an act of the will. That, hey, this is not about feeling it. This is an act of the will. It's the right thing to do. I need to do what's right. Eating healthy, working out, being kind to people. That's the right thing to do. It's just good. 
But yet Christians are kind of like, well, let me pray about it. You don't have to pray about anything about going to somebody and say, hey, I know I offended you. I know I hurt you. I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? And then don't try to justify it. You know how we do? But your look, and if you wouldn't have said that, don't do that. How about you just say, hey, I was wrong. That's all. That's it. I just want to let you know I'm wrong. And that other person, let them say what they want. Before God, you did what you're supposed to do. You said, hey, I caused that. I made that problem worse. You see, Jesus gave a wonderful parable about forgiveness. A couple weeks ago, Hal spoke on it. He spoke out of Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22. He said, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus said, not seven times times but 70 times 7 490 I forgive somebody 490 times and I'm done 491st turn I just ah throat chop no as much as we may feel like a good throat chop no no throat chopping at Southridge that could be our new slogan we do not throat chop people you see forgiveness is not about math it's just about making it right and some of us keep trying to do math. Well, I forgave you last time. Now it's your turn. Stop doing math. I'm homeschooled. We don't like math. You we just stop it. Understand that when it comes to Christians and forgiving, we just say, this is what God calls me to do. If we focus on the man, then we will always want to get even. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I want to get even with you? I can't imagine what that would look like if Jesus said, I'm going to get even with Micaiah Ermler. That's a scary place to be. If God's like, oh, I'm about to get even. No. But yet we do it with people. Oh, I'm going to get even. I'm going to get my pound of flesh. I'm going to win this argument. There's an old hymn we used to sing. It's called At the Cross. It says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. What is the hymn writer talking about? He's talking about the debt that we owed. He said, I'm done with the debt. The debt you walked in here with, don't take it with you. Don't carry it anymore. Too many Christians are burdened down by the debts. You say, well, I can't go back because that person's past. That person's dead. You know, every day I now pray the Lord's Prayer. And I'm teaching us how to pray through the Lord's Prayer so it's not monotonous. But when I get to that part and forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, sometimes names from my childhood or college years come back up. I had a vice president of our college who would actively tell Jane to stop dating me. A little bitter at the man. But he's six foot seven, so I can't do a throat chop. I'd get his knees. And that doesn't do nothing but hurt your own hand. 
And you know what sometimes? People, things come to our mind. You didn't get the job. You're still single. You got passed over. And there's that offense. And what I'm learning is, God, every time it comes up, I'm going to forgive him. And I'm just going to keep forgiving him. Until it's just done. I don't want that debt. I don't want to carry that burden. I want to leave it at the foot of the cross. So the challenge for us as we close is what debt are you carrying? And this morning, are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to forgive them? Are you willing to say, hey, no matter if they even change or not, I'm done carrying that debt. I'm debt free. You can join Dave Ramsey in a debt free screen. Say, I, I, I still owe the Bank of America, Wells Fargo a lot. But guess what? I don't owe anybody else. So my heart is light. My debt is heavy and the interest rates are high. But guess what? Before Jesus, I don't owe anybody. And nobody owes me. And that's the best part. Nobody owes me anymore. That we don't go through life with people owing them. There are people that are burning down and rioting because they feel owed. They feel owed. And I feel sorry because they've been so hurt that they feel owed. And it's amazing to me that they feel like Louis Vuitton owes them. So they go to Louis Vuitton because that's what justice demands that they do. I was like, interesting. Walmart is right there. Go get some Veda glory. Oh no. But Louis Vuitton will solve all injustice. I'm sorry, I'm on a rant. Let's get back to the Bible. The greater the hurt, the greater the healing. You know, it's hard to start forgiving, but it's just like getting out of debt. It means a lifestyle change. If you're going to get out of financial debt, a lifestyle change has to happen. God wants Christians to have a lifestyle change that we just forgive. It's part of our lifestyle that we don't hold the offense in. We don't guard it. We don't save that and run back to it because it feels good. We just forgive. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This morning, we need to say, God, I don't owe anybody and nobody owns, owes me. I forgive them. That's where we need to get to. Can we all stand? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you came in here with a debt, a grudge, a resentment, a bitterness. I don't want you to leave with that. God doesn't want you to leave with that. He wants you to go into the holidays having a debt-free heart. And if you say this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm carrying this debt and I don't want to carry. Would you slip up a hand so I can pray for you? Oh, God bless you. God bless you. In every section, God bless you. Let me put your hands down. God wants you to be debt-free. He wants you to be done with that debt. He doesn't want you to owe anybody. He doesn't want anybody owing you. So this morning, we are going to release them. This morning, we're going to forgive them. And it could be an aunt, uncle, a mom, or dad, a brother, a sister, a coworker, a past relationship. But this morning, we're leaving it here. We're bringing it to the cross. We're saying, Jesus, I'm done with it. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask that Jesus would give you that freedom that you walk out of here lighter than when you came in. 
So Father in heaven, you rule and reign. And in our hearts, would you reveal the resentment and would you heal it? Would you release it, Father? The pain of the past decades, Father, would you heal it? Your word says, by your stripes, we are healed. You took the beating so that we could have the blessing. So, Father, right now, we hand you our hurts. God, they're real. We didn't deserve it. We didn't, we didn't even want it, but God, it happened. And it's easy to hold on to that grudge. But God, this morning, we release it. We forgive them. And God, you are Jehovah Kadesh. You sanctify, you cleanse, you set us apart. And so, Father, we ask you that you would cleanse us, that you would heal us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.